Well, today we're continuing our message series, which I've entitled Jumping Hurdles. And contrary to uh, some rumors I've heard, that's not me. Uh, that's not me uh, jumping a hurdle. So uh, it's somebody else. But what are these hurdles? Hurdles are difficulties in life that God has allowed to come into our lives. They are things that we need to overcome in order to fulfill God's purpose. And God is there to help us to jump the hurdles that come into our lives. Now, sometimes we, we, we pray we wouldn't have any hurdles in life, but unfortunately God doesn't answer that prayer. Uh, he puts hurdles in everybody's life uh, that we need to overcome to continue to fulfill his purpose. Today our message is entitled Faith Factor. And so we're going to be talking about, guess what, faith. So what is faith? Well, the Bible gives us an answer to that question in Hebrews 11, chapter 2. And it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so faith looks to the future. It looks to the future and sees it through the eyes of God. It looks to a future that has been promised to us by God, and it believes that what we see in the future through God's promises is going to come to pass in the reality of our lives. Faith is not something new to the New Testament. We talk a lot about faith in the New Testament but faith has been essential to a relationship with God from the very beginning of time. And we see that right in this verse. For by it, by faith, the people of old, this is a New Testament verse, referring to the people of the Old Testament, received their commendation. And if you want to learn about many of the people in the Old Testament that live by faith, you can read Hebrews chapter 11, which talks about, it's sometimes called God's trophy case or, or God's show place of faith. We see different people of faith there. Those who believed in God, who believed in a coming Messiah in the Old Testament, were saved by faith. And we're going to see them in heaven one day. Those in the New Testament era in which we believe, in which we live, who believe in Jesus Christ through faith, are also saved. And as I said before, we're going to meet people of every generation in heaven who got there not by being a perfect person, not by being the working hard, but simply by having faith in God. Now 2 Peter 1 verse 4 is an important verse. It says, He that has God has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so the Bible is filled with promises. At one point I looked up how many there were, and of course that's a matter of conjecture. It's hard, to, what is the promise and what is not? It's just filled with promises. There are thousands of promises in the Bible. Thousands of promises. And the promises in the Bible are not simply there to be read for our entertainment. The promises are there for a purpose. These promises are key to our relationship with God and to receiving His blessings. Now, as 
as we read these promises, sometimes we might think, well, if this promise is there, it's an automatic thing. You know, it's just going to happen. But that's not true. The promises are not automatic. Every promise is activated by, and you can guess, what is the answer? Faith. Every promise is activated by faith. By believing that what God said in his promise is going to happen in the future. We bring those promises into reality in our lives by believing them. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. We are going to be talking about the story of one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 today, whose name is Abraham. Verse 8 says, by faith, circle that word faith, we're talking about faith today, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. How would you like that for a trip? Going out without knowing where he was going. God promised Abraham things that were going to happen in the future. In fact, some of the things that Abraham believed God for were going to happen after he passed on. Now, many of the things happened in his lifetime, but some did not happen. Some are still being fulfilled today. We'll talk about that in a minute. The promises that God gave to Abraham were not automatic promises. They required him to obey God. And many of the promises, I would say most of the promises in the Bible are conditional promises. They require faith and obedience in order to be fulfilled. And we're going to see that today, how it plays out in the life of Abraham. Now, what is the opposite of faith? Well, if you look it up, the antonym of faith is doubt or unbelief. You can't be in doubt and unbelief and be in faith at the same time. One drives out the other. If you're fearful, if you're worried, if you're in unbelief, you can't be believing God. If you're believing God, you, you, can't, you won't be worrying. And so the Christian life from beginning to end, the beginning when we first put our faith in Jesus Christ, to the end, when we meet the Lord, is a life of faith. And so today we're going to learn how to receive the promises of God. And we do that through believing, which is faith, and obeying. So the first thing we're going to learn from Abraham, we're going to have an example of obeying God's call. The story begins in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Abram was born in the land of Ur. His father's name was a man named Terah. The New Testament tells us that God called Abram when he was still in Ur. In Genesis chapter 11, it says that Terah began to travel, that was his father, to the land of Canaan, but he stopped to live in Haran. Abram had gone along with his father from Ur to Haran, but they stopped in Haran. I believe that Terah, as head of the family, we don't know all this, a little bit of this is speculation, he began to follow God's direction that his son had heard from God, but, but somehow he didn't have the faith to fully obey. They got to this place called Haran and said, this is pretty nice, we're tired of traveling, we're just going to camp here for a while. And so that's 
what they did. Following God's instructions, God gave a promise to Abram in the next verse. Verse 2. He told him to go from your country to the land he was going to show you. Show him. He says in verse 2, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. The promise that God would make Abram a great nation would happen through Abram's descendants. I mean, that is the only way that a great nation could come from Abram. And not only that, Abram would be blessed in a great way. Why would God bless him? So that he could be a blessing to other people. In fact, that's a very important thing to remember for all of us. We are blessed in order to be a blessing, not just to enjoy our blessing only for ourselves. And on top of that, he said Abram would have a great name. And guess what? Thousands of years later, who are we studying about this morning? One of the greatest names that has ever happened. So you'll know this story has a good ending. And uh, Abram was a man of faith. He's in Hebrews chapter 11. After his father Terah died in, in Haran, Abram continued the journey that God had called him to, to go from Haran to the land of Canaan. Most likely, my speculation, Abram was not able to leave on his own without his father's permission uh, back then. And so he waited until his father died to continue on the journey that God had called him to. When Abram was given the opportunity, he completely obeyed God's call. Now let's think for a minute about what this call involved. The call came to Abram and Ur. Anybody know where Ur is? I say in Ur, right? It's in modern day Iraq. That's where Ur is, in the Middle East. And his family had lived in Ur, we don't know how long, but probably for hundreds of years. Uh, this was their home. This was their country. This is where they lived. And his call was to travel to a place where God had not even revealed where they were going. They began to travel, not knowing where the end result would be. It took great risk. Because it wasn't just Abram going by himself. He was taking their entire family. And as we read, Abram and his father must have been very rich by the standards of the day. And so that may well have involved hundreds of other people and livestock. And wealth was generally measured in those days in how many herds you had and how many animals and cows and sheep and whatever else they had. And so this was a huge undertaking. It took great faith. And this journey came, as we said, in two stages, first to Haran and ultimately to the land of Canaan. But we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, that Abram obeyed God's call, even though this was a very difficult condition to obey. So it's important for us to realize and to note that this promise that God had made to Abram was a conditional promise. If Abram had not obeyed, if he had not traveled to the land of Canaan, how could the promise of God ever have been fulfilled? It would never have happened. And the same is true in our lives today. The Bible is filled with promises that we have wonderful blessings associated with them, 
that we can and should claim for ourselves. But in order for the blessings to come, there are often conditions that must be fulfilled. Now, not only does God, not only does God <clears throat> give us the promises in His Word, He can also speak to us and give us promises through His Holy Spirit as well. But today we're going to focus on the promises in God's Word. In either case, we must obey God, fulfill His conditions in order to reap the blessings of the promise. Now, what is the most important promise in the Bible? Well, I believe, and I think most would agree with me, the most important promise in the Bible is the promise that God gives us of salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. And even though that promise is offered to everyone who's alive on this earth, and has been, I believe, offered to everyone who's ever lived in one form or another, only those who fulfill its conditions receive the gift of eternal life. And we go through, if we want to simplify it, the condition is faith. But as we go through it every Sunday, we're going to go through it at the end of the message today. Uh, we break it down to three, three conditions or three things that God calls us to do. The first condition is a person must repent and turn away from their sin. Jesus called on people to repent. Secondly, you need to believe. There's where the faith comes in. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross paid the penalty for our sin, and ask for His forgiveness. And finally, you need to commit your life to following Him as your Lord and Savior. And when you choose to obey God's call to be saved, when you fulfill those conditions, not by working hard, not by doing a bunch of good things, uh, simply by believing, then you are saved. You receive eternal life. It's the most important promise in the Bible. Not only must we obey God's call, we must believe God's promise. Genesis 15, verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And so this encounter with God happened a number of years later. Abram was now getting established in Canaan, the land of Canaan. God was blessing him and his in uh, the people with him there, his family. However, his wife Sarai was still barren. She had not borne him a son. They had no children. So how could God's promise to Abram be fulfilled? This promise that he would make him a great nation. And I believe God appeared again to Abram to encourage him to what? Not have fear but faith. Whenever God tells somebody to fear not, why is he telling them that? Because they are fearing. They are not in faith. And so God calls Abram, instructs him to fear not, commands him to don't be afraid, believe. Don't be afraid, believe. The two are mutually exclusive. So how could a prom, the promise of making Abram a great nation come to pass? Now, we don't have time to get into the whole story, but Abram came up with all kinds of things to help God out. And uh, they weren't very good plans uh, at all. And in, in this case, he was saying, you know, maybe my uh, servant Eliezer, you know, his 
children could be part of this nation. And yeah, I think that would work. It would kind of, you know, kind of be something that would fulfill the promise. And so God says to him, um, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. In fact, no, Abram, you got it wrong. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And so again, he tells Abram, remember, I'm reminding you of the promise. You and Sarai are going to have a son. A, it's going to come from both of you. And that would be the start of this great nation that I promised you years before. Abram's faith was wavering. He was seeking to fulfill God's promise on his own. And yet God clearly told him he would have this son of promise. And of course, I'm not going to get into the story of him and Hagar and trying to create the son a different way, uh, which was not God's plan at all. But God never wavered in, in uh, encouraging Abram to believe the promise. Now, this is a beautiful thing that God did in the next verse. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And catch the end of this verse. And he, that's Abram, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And so God showed Abram a man with no children, a man and with a wife who was both getting old and past childbearing years, he, he, he promised him children. And how did he get Abram to visualize the children he was going to have? He said, look at the stars. Now, back in those days with no light pollution, you know, we can't see just a fraction of the stars up from St. Louis. I mean, if you just go out in the country where there's still some light pollution, you go, wow, where did all those stars come from? Anybody ever done that? And it's just amazing. And that was way back in time. And he probably saw... Ten times as many as the stars we see today. Millions of stars up there. Can anybody number the stars? No. Even our scientists today have no idea how many stars. There are trillions of stars. Nobody can number them. Nobody can count them. And he's, God is saying to him, as impossible as it is for you to number the stars, so would be the number of his children. Now, this is a man who has no children. Now, did Abram argue with God? Not, not at this point. It doesn't say. It says he believed God. He believed that what God said was going to happen. He exercised his faith. He had no idea how it was going to happen. And yet he believed that God would make him into a great nation. And through faith, faith in God's word, it says that God declared him righteous. Now, how is it that Abram's faith, what, well, I mean, let's first start, what does it mean that he was righteous? Well, that his sins were forgiven. Now, I must say that's a mystery. I, I don't I totally understand it. But he believed God. He put his faith in God. And God said, that's what I was looking for. You're not fearing anymore. You're, you're believing me. And who was one of the children that would have Abram as a father, that would be Jesus, would be one of the children down through the lineage. It's a mystery. 
But the New Testament records that Abram was made righteous through his faith in believing what God said. And so Abram is our father in the faith. He believed God's seemingly impossible promise. And so the Bible is filled with promises for us to believe. We already talked about this foundational promise that those who believe in Jesus are saved. And I'm going to give everyone here an opportunity at the end of the message to pray that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life if you'd like to do that. But let's talk about another promise. It's a very practical promise. It applies to each and every one of us. It's a promise that when we believe and when we fulfill its conditions, it brings blessing into our lives. It brings blessing into our lives so that we can be a blessing to others. It's found in Malachi 3, verse 10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And so this verse has to do, or this promise has to do with our finances. Finances uh, impact every one of us. The Bible has a lot to say about money. But let's begin by looking at the blessing of this verse at the very end. It says, I, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That sounds pretty good to me. Who would like that blessing in their life so that there was no more need? Now, this blessing is not a promise that God is going to make you a millionaire, okay? It's not a promise that you're going to win the lottery. It's none of those things at all. It's a promise that God is going to meet your financial needs. In fact, he's going to meet your needs. He's going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others as well. I believe that not only will your needs be met, but you'll be able to help meet the needs of others. But there is a condition to receiving this blessing. It's not automatic. Every believer does not receive the blessing of this promise because there's a condition. And the condition is to give the full tithe. What is the full tithe? It's simply 10% of your income to the place where you worship to support God's work there. That's the storehouse in the Old Testament that was the temple. The New Testament is the church, the place where you worship. Now, the natural mind struggles with this. And why is that? Well, pretty much everybody is struggling to make ends meet. And uh, it seems like you're doing good if the expenses and the income match up. It seems you're doing pretty good. And so you think, you know, if I give 10% out of my income to support God's work, that means if my calculator tells me correctly, I'll only have 90% left. And since I was barely making it 100%, this is just not going to work. That's what the natural mind thinks. But the answer to that is that God promises to do something beyond the natural. It says he promises to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. A blessing in your finances. Now, how does that happen? Well, it can happen in a multitude of ways. You see, he can give you more income or he can reduce your expenses. He has lots of ways to pour out that blessing from heaven. And God understands that this is a difficult promise for people to accept. This is a difficult promise for people to meet the conditions to. And so what does he say? 
put me to the test. Now, there's other scriptures that say, don't test the Lord. This is the one that says, put me to the test. What does that mean? He says, try it out. Begin to fulfill the condition. Begin to give from your income to me and see if I will not pour out this blessing, if it's not going to work out. And so God calls us to put it to the test. He challenges us. And so this is just one example of believing a promise. There are many promises that God promises great blessing for us. Why? So that we can have things just for ourselves. Know that so we can be blessed to help others and be a blessing to them as well. Finally, we're going to talk about walking in faith. How Abraham walked in faith. Let's jump over to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to, and, to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So the timing of this appearance of the Lord to Abram was now 25 years from the time when God first appeared to him at the age of 75. Abram knew, they knew back then, that the older he and his wife got, the less likely it would be that they could have a child. In fact, they knew at this point they were well past childbearing years. Humanly speaking, it was impossible that they would have a son. And yet the Lord appeared to Abram again and encouraged him to do what? To walk before him, to walk in faith. You see, faith is not just a one-time thing where, where you believe once and then I believed and then you're done with it. Faith is a state of being. It doesn't just believe one time and then stop believing, it keeps on believing. And so when you have faith in God's promise, you need to keep on believing until that promise is fulfilled. You walk before God in faith. Genesis 17, verse 5, God continues to speak to Abram and says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And so God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of nations. And God tells Abram at this point that he has made him a father of nations. This was before Abram had this long-awaited child. God says, I'm making you the father of nations. Abram argues with God a little bit. But God says in verse 19, no, but, you know, it's a no, just be quiet. You're wrong, Abram. Don't give me that. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And so now God calls. He's changed Abram's name to Abraham. Now he gives the name of this son of promise who has yet to be even conceived, and his name is going to be Isaac. And furthermore, the promise or covenant that God has made to Abram about being a great nation, will now continue through Isaac, the son of promise. And if you continue to read the story in Genesis, you'll see that Isaac was born. Uh, God's promise was fulfilled. The nation of Israel began. It continues to this day with every true believer being a spiritual son or daughter of Abraham. And so the walk of faith for Abram and Sarah was not just a walk of a day, not just a walk of a moment. It was a walk of over 25 years spanning decades, believing for the impossible, 
which seemed to be getting more impossible as every year passed, and they finally had this son in their old age. To learn to walk in faith throughout a lifetime is so very, very important. So let's talk for a moment about the walk of faith for each and every believer today. And we give an opportunity at the end of the service, as we said before, for people to commit or recommit their lives to Jesus Christ through faith. And so there is a moment in time when a person believes their sins are forgiven and they are saved. But the Bible clearly teaches that after that initial belief, each person must live out their faith day by day, month by month, year by year. And what characterizes a believer? Well, fundamentally, it's that they believe. They believe in Jesus Christ. That's what a believer is. And those who are believers in Jesus Christ, Jesus himself taught, we live it out, and others can see it in our lifestyles. But what happens if someone who believed at one point, what happens if they stop believing? If that person doesn't believe anymore, are they still a believer? Well, the logical answer is no. They're no longer a believer. They have fallen away from their faith. Can that person be restored? Well, yes, if they repent and commit their lives to Jesus and begin believing again. And so the blessing of salvation comes to those who walk in faith, who continue to walk in faith, who keep on believing, who keep on obeying. And so to receive God's promises, we must believe and obey God's promises have conditions that we fulfill by obedience. And as we put our faith in God to keep his promises, he gives us the strength to obey. As we walk by faith, God's blessing in our lives increases so that we can be a blessing to others. And so my prayer is that each of us, as Abram did, would look to the promises in God's word, believe in them, walk them out, and receive more and more of God's blessing in our lives. And so this morning, as we said before, I'm going to talk about the greatest blessing, the blessing of salvation. Basically, three conditions we see in God's word to admit that we've sinned, repent, turn away from that sin, believe in Jesus that he died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven, and commit our lives to serving him as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like everyone to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Or if you feel like you may have drifted away from God, this would be a good opportunity to recommit your life to Him this morning. So pray something like this with me. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from that sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross paid the penalty for my sins that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. For the rest of us, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for this example of Abraham, our father in the faith. We pray that you would help us as you helped him to obey your call on our lives. We pray that you'd help us to read and have faith in your promises to us. Forgive us for simply trying to live life on our own without 
bringing Your promises to bear in our lives. God, we pray that we would believe everything that Your Word says. That we would obey Your instructions that we might inherit the blessings of Your promises. Help us to walk in faith. Help us to keep our eyes on You. Believing You that no matter what we're going through in life, You're going to help us through through Your promises. God, we pray for the missionaries working in Lisbon, Portugal. We pray that you would be with them as they are planting a church in a uh, somewhat difficult area. We pray, God, that the church would continue to grow, that people would be saved, discipled, and walk with you, walk in faith. We pray for your blessing on each person here and their families. Uh, we pray that each of us would walk in faith each and every day in the coming weeks and months. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.